This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Coming up, if you've got questions about your mortgage, renegotiating your mortgage, maybe you're retiring, thinking about a reverse mortgage, maybe you've got kids and you want to help them get into home ownership, our guest coming up has all the answers, Angela Calla will be here. But first, some of the consumer news from the past week. Faulty and potentially dangerous airbags are in the news. The U.S. National Traffic Safety Administration is urging Tennessee's ARC Automotive to recall all 67 million airbags it made before 2018 due to potentially dangerous inflators. It says those inflators could possibly explode and spray shrapnel but the company insists its product is not defective and is refusing to recall the airbags. At least 12 automakers use ARC components in their airbags. The agency reports at least two people have been killed in the U.S. and Canada and six others injured as a result of defective inflators. This past week, General Motors announced a recall of nearly one million crossovers with a potentially life-threatening airbag defect. That recall specifically affects GM vehicles spread out between certain Buick Enclaves, Chevy Traverse, and GM Acadia vehicles produced between the 2014 and 2017 model years. It's going to be a big year for tourism in Vancouver and right across Canada, according to the World Travel and Tourism Council. They say a return of overseas visitors to Canada's biggest cities will fuel a big rebound in Canada's travel and tourism sector this year. It is predicting the industry will pump Get this, $162.6 billion into the Canadian economy, up more than 17% from last year. And if that happens, the travel and tourism sector could create about 90,000 new jobs that would make up for nearly all the jobs that were lost during the pandemic. Vancouver has opened two of its outdoor pools and its staff beaches with lifeguards starting today. The city says designated swim areas at eight beaches will be patrolled from 1130 in the morning to 830 every day. And those hours will change later in the summer as the sun starts to set earlier. The new Brighton and Second Beach pools will be open, but Kitts Pool remains closed for repairs after that major storm back in 2021. The Competition Bureau says it's suing Cineplex for allegedly advertising misleading ticket prices for its movies. The Bureau alleges that Cineplex is breaking the law by adding an additional $1.50 fee that raises the price of its tickets when you buy them online. The Bureau alleges this is an example of what they call misleading drip pricing, also known as a junk fee, which it recognizes as a harmful business practice. And one of the big reasons for the tight housing situation in Vancouver is due to a lack of homes for sale. So this could be good news. Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation reports the annual pace of housing starts, new homes being built, jumped 22% between March and April. That's the average here in Vancouver. It was 36%. The CMHC says those numbers are due to a lot more new multi-unit urban homes. And while Vancouver housing starts were up 36%, we're still behind the big, uh, the other big cities. Montreal was up 43%. Toronto was up 54%. 
This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And when we come back, do you have teenage children? Would you like to see them own a home while they're in their 20s? It's not science fiction, even here in Greater Vancouver. According to our next guest, that's one of the things that Angela Calla will be talking about. She's our resident mortgage expert. She'll also fill us in on how you can get the best mortgage rate, whether you're buying uh, a new place now or you've had the same mortgage for years. We'll talk to Angela Calla when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong and the inflation numbers for April were just released and they were up, also up. The real estate market, it seems to be heating up again. And even though it seemed like the Bank of Canada was finished, with raising interest rates uh, with these inflation numbers, maybe not. Uh, Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklin was talking to reporters on Thursday, was very tight-lipped about the idea of raising or keeping interest rates the same. So what does it all mean? Where can we expect mortgage rates to go from here? Well, our next guest is the person to ask when it comes to these kinds of questions. She's an accredited mortgage professional, the best-selling author of The Mortgage Code. She's the host of The Mortgage Show, which you can hear tomorrow on CKNW at three o'clock in the afternoon. She is, of course, Angela Calla. Hi, Angela, how are you? Good afternoon, Martin. I'm fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. So I guess if you're a watcher of interest rates, uh, mm-hmm. now is a very interesting time because it, it sort of seems to me that things could go either way. So so I, I want to mention also, uh, before I ask you that question, um, I, I'm really looking forward to talking about uh, reverse mortgages, which we're going to talk about, and also the idea of setting your teenagers up so that they would uh, just be more uh, inclined to be able to buy property in their 20s. So we're gonna talk about that, but I wanna start with the interest rates. So so yeah, like I say, where, where do you see things headed? Well, I would not be surprised to see another hike um, later in the summer or the fall. We absolutely know that Tiff Macklin is coming down with a big hammer on getting inflation in check. I suspect that will hold steady here in June, but it will be data dependent. And Martin, what is so important to understand about how the decision on interest rates is, is fixed rates are based on the bond market and the bond market reacts to news. So the bond market seeing the inflation numbers go up automatically increased, which means that we've seen an increase in fixed rates all of a sudden overnight. So there is a, they believe, the market believes that it's certainly a big possibility that we're going to see a rate hike in the future. And so they're pricing that in right now. Now, just because they're pricing that in doesn't mean that it won't go down, but that's one of the elements that we're watching. So the fixed rates going up or down has is not necessarily consistent with the Bank of Canada. The Bank of Canada is based on inflation and meets as you know, at the set times each year, and that going up and down impacts the actual variable rate that you get. So right now, if you're tuning in and you're considering making a home purchase, you have a renewal coming up in the next year, or you have debt outside your mortgage that you're considering refinancing, getting in touch with us today will protect you against 
further bond rate hikes or the market pricing in anything different, but also not only will it protect you against any gains, but if there's a reduction like it might happen if inflation continues to go down because consumers get scared about this and stop spending, which obviously the spending is what's contributed to the inflation going up, then we can see another decline. And so with people considering that option, a lot of people that have had variable rate mortgages have actually been converting them to a fixed rate mortgage because the bond yields have been so favorable in the last few months. So Martin, if you've had a variable rate mortgage, Prime is currently at 6.7%. So not only if you've had a variable rate mortgage, but even if you had a variable rate mortgage at a discount at Prime minus one, 5.7, you were able to switch your mortgage for lenders that were anywhere between four and a half to 5% for instant cash flow savings for you. And you could actually break down the numbers and see, oh my goodness, I'm going to save guaranteed fourteen, you know, thousand dollars if rates stay where they are right now. And so, while there's no decision that is right for every household, if you are cash flow sensitive and you're looking at these numbers and you're saying, well, Prime is at six point seven, my discount is say Prime minus one five point seven, I can get a fixed interest rate one full percent below Prime. I'm going for it. So we did a webinar breaking down all the numbers and all the interest savings and people are deciding between three or five years and the bond market plays a big role in that, but not just the bond market, but also what we qualify for is based on the rate that we take. So consumers today are not taking variable rate mortgages moving forward, especially knowing that there's it's not off the table for another hike or two. And wow. they can qualify for more mortgage. Yeah, they can qualify for more mortgage taking a fixed rate. So it's really dependent on what rate is better and what pool do you fit into with the options that are out there. Because if you qualified, if you qualify on a 25-year amortization, you can get a, a different and better rate than if you need a 30-year amortization for cash flow and qualification, depending on the occupancy of the property depending on so many different, the mortgage amount, the per, original purchase date. So many things will impact what that decision is. But the bottom line is, is we shake out all those numbers, all those pros and cons, so you can make a decision understanding very clearly where it is. And people are feeling a little bit of um, fatigue from having to make so many decisions right now with inflation where it is. But at least having the numbers on this, you can. But if you were someone who was counting on rates to go down very quickly, I don't believe that's necessary based on the data today. And so we see people feeling more comfortable taking a three or a five year fix because of the payment secu securitization that they have. So they have that cash flow guarantee. And then in addition to that, we know that Tiff Macklem has come out, uh, people are very frustrated, particularly with how this has been handled because he came out in 2021 saying, we're gonna keep rates low for a substantial period of time. So people made big life decisions based on that. And then now he's saying, I will not stop hiking rates until we get inflation to where we wanna go. And he knows in retrospect, the mistake that he made was keeping rates as low as long as they did. So he doesn't wanna make that same mistake on the flip side. So he's not going to be fast to reduce rates. But what's really important here, and I hope everyone's listening who has a variable rate or a loved one who has a variable rate or a line of credit is 
if and when they do decide to reduce rates, it's only expected that they will only reduce them by a percent or a percent and a half over a long period of time because remember, they don't want to stimulate more spending. So if that happens, if you think about that, well, you're still better off taking a fixed rate today because the simple math would tell us that if prime is 6.7 today and it takes them a year, a year and a half to go down maybe 1%, where you're still ahead if you take something in the high fours or early fives. So that math is really important to understand. And not to say that the data can't change, but I think it's pretty comforting to get an outlook and make a decision for the next three to five years and then understand that if you do get the right mortgage, then you'll be able to make modifications if for whatever reason, economic circumstances blow up and things are opposite of the data that we have today, at least you know that you have the best mortgage to be able to change that if you need to. Right. So so just a, a lot of options and all the more reason why people should go to angelacala.ca and find out uh, what option is right for them. We're talking to Angela Calla. Um, so are you surprised by the resiliency of the real estate market uh, despite these the rising rates? Well, it's always been a supply issue. You know, that that is the issue, is it's a supply issue. So governments are working very hard now to try to find ways to move through development. You know, they're looking at how to use AI in the application process for building and building permits, and they're looking at increasing density, and they're really doing what they can. You know, it's sad to me, and it's important that nobody is immune to these issues when we see developers that have $700 you know, million dollars worth of real estate that are in receivership, because that only really hurts the supply aspect. And so, you know, as a developer, you could imagine forecasting things based on things being relatively steady, as you would hope, and then you're trying to forecast things three years out and you don't know what kind of issues you're going to have with supply, you don't know what kind of issues you're going to have with your costs, you don't know what kind of issues you're going to have with staff, and then you compound that with interest rates going up over four and a half percent. and. You know, we really want to do what we can to help people move forward, to be able to build, to be able to increase density. So we have homes. And with the immigration numbers, and I talk about this every month when I instruct for the Greater Vancouver Real Estate Board, people think we have a supply issue now. It's only going to amplify that. And, you know, we have come out with some programs to try to offset that and to help first-time home buyers get into the market. But um, supply is our number one problem here, so I'm not surprised by that. People need somewhere to live, Martin. And so people are looking at how to combine their resources and how to, to move forward. But you know what we should discuss is, could, do you, did you see that article from the Daily Hive that talked about what the rent is for a one-bedroom apartment? Yes, I did. It's, in, it's insanity. It's through the roof. <laughs> it's, it's $2,541 a month for a one-bedroom apartment. So with that in mind, the only, the only power that we have really here individually that we can control is okay you know let's look at our let's look at how we can help uh the next generation plan to get ahead of that yeah 
Yeah, and, and coming up, we're going to talk about that, but I should mention in the in the few minutes we have in, in this segment that uh, I guess the next big announcement from the Bank of Canada is June 7th, and you have a webinar on the 8th. I do. Yes, I have a webinar coming up on the 8th to break that down and break down what you should do if you're looking at making a purchase, looking at a renewal or looking at a refinance. And also, if you are on the other side and you and you are many, many years away from owning a home, but you want to know what power you can take within your control to put yourself ahead financially and uh, strategically to be able to own a home, this will cover that too. So regardless of your questions, we've got you covered and it's absolutely free to join. And we keep it to a half an hour, Martin, because we know that there's only so much of this information we can digest at once, right? Yes, our brains can only take so much information. And I love the idea that you can find these on replay too, that you don't have to watch them live and then they disappear. These yes, webinars. that's correct. We do have them on replay as webinars, yeah. Yeah, so that's an important thing. So go to angelacalla.ca. That's the website. Uh, Angela Calla is the host of The Mortgage Show, Sundays at 3, tomorrow at 3 in the afternoon. And uh, we're talking about the inflation numbers and uh, what's that going to mean for mortgage rates. And when we come back, uh, when I first heard uh, this idea of uh, working with your teenage kids to help them be better prepared to own property in their 20s, it sort of felt like science fiction to me, especially in the Lower Mainland. But... Uh, when we come back, Angela is going to tell us about how that can become a reality, how you can uh, look a little bit forward and help prepare your children to become property owners in their 20s. We'll also talk about reverse mortgages and what they can do for you. That's all when Vancouver Consumer continues with more from Angela Calla right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong and uh, with me now is our friend Angela Calla an accredited mortgage professional. She is the best-selling author of The Mortgage Code, and you can hear her uh, every Sunday at 3 in the afternoon on The Mortgage Show. And uh, also go to her website, angelacalla.ca, because there's all sorts of interesting webinars. There's one coming up on June 8th and uh, all sorts of things. And we've been talking about uh, where mortgage rates are headed and uh, the price of rent in Vancouver. Uh, you know, it's like a, a typical one bedroom is like a $2,500. So if you have teenage children or even children in their 20s, the idea of them actually owning property can seem so just unreal. And uh, Angela, you, you don't think it has to be. You, you have some great ideas for, for helping young people prepare for home ownership. Absolutely. And it really just becomes a choice of doing two major things. First of all, not being in a rush to move out. And the first moment that you get a job committing to putting 50 to 75% of that away and only spending 25. And then secondly, one of the great uh, realtors that was on one of my courses at the Greater Vancouver Real Estate Board came up with this bus before you buy. Because if you're out there buying a car, 
first thing, you know, in your teens or early 20s, you're instantly cutting yourself off from buying a home in most cases because that's going to take one to $300,000 of mortgage qualifications off the table just like that, boom. And this strategy that I'm giving you is the exact strategy that I followed. So my parents sat me down when I was like 10 years old and they were like, oh my gosh, <laughs> life is so hard. I'm serious. If you ever want to own a home, you need to like live with us, plan to live with us and save from day one. So I stuck with that advice and it's very simple. Right now we have three major ways or I'd say three or four major ways that you could save for a down payment. And first of all, if you have a teen in the house right now, at 18 years old, they can open up a new federal account that came out to help potential home purchasers, but most importantly, help new first-time home buyers. The greatest thing about the new first-time home buyers account is that you need to open it like this year to get the maximum benefit because it's only available until 2028. It's a five-year plan and the year you open it is the year that you can use the calculation room. So you can put eight thousand up to $8,000 per year for a maximum of $40,000 all the gains in that account are tax free, which is really helpful to get you to get you to your finish line faster. And in addition to that, like the RRSP, it also gives you an $8,000 income tax deduction, which reduces the income tax that you pay on the money that you earn and can also result depending on where you are in the income zone, it can also result in further tax returns, which could give you more money to either pay off debt or add more money to either a regular tax-free account that you can also use for this, or an RRSP. But how this differs from the RSP is the RSP you have to pay back over time, not the first-time homebuyer's account. So in today's day and age, we have those three aspects. And when I was purchasing real estate many years ago now, we only had the, the RSP was our only tool right. that was available to save as a savings vehicle. So now we have those additional supports. And most importantly, the first time home buyers account is a benefit between, it's a, a hybrid benefit between the regular tax-free account and the RSP. So it's something that I can tell you, my little guy, he is 10 years old and he plays hockey and his, um, his little buddy has older sisters that are lifeguards at the pool and they are turning 18 this year and we've set them up on an account and the parents are making them set aside. Well, not making them. I have to say that this girl is a super powerhouse. She was already <laughs> saving her money. Um, but we worked out the plan to say, okay, you know what? If you moved out right now, your rent would be 2541 How much are we saving a month to get you to where you want to go? So she's saving a significant amount of money each and every month because obviously going to school and lifeguarding, she's super busy doing those things. So she doesn't have the time to spend the money. So, you know, she's saving $600 a month, which she could not go out and rent somewhere for that. And she's 18 years old, Martin. So, you know, and by the time she's 25, she's going to have tens of thousands of dollars set aside that has been working for her with a proper financial plan to be able to move out into a home. And she's decided, you know, with her schooling, it's all mapped out on how long the schooling is and what the entry-level income is for that job. She's compounding the benefit because she's got her parents' support to buy a pre-sale that's not going to be completed 
for several years. And so she, that's her path on how she's moving forward to be able to buy her first home in her 20s. And Martin, that's the same thing I did 20 years ago to get into the market too. Wow. So some things never change. We just have to have the mindset of what are we going to do? And as a parent, the best thing you can do, and you know, I want to... I want to say that I know that some parents that are listening to this program right now will have the ability to gift their children money, right. but some parents won't because of how things have been in the market and how things have changed. But this is the way that you can help set your kids up by, you know, essentially quote unquote, charging them rent, but saving this money aside for them and opening up these accounts that are going to be most tax efficient to get all the benefits out there. This is how you help them get ahead without having to open up bank of mom and dad and cash out your own investments or, you know, go in debt yourself to help your, your kids or, you know, potentially even co-sign for them depending on it so you know this is another way to relieve some pressure from bank of mom and dad if you can just make them pay you rent as teens while they're working then you know you're setting them up for significant success without having to come up with bank of mom and dad right and you can't share the tax benefits like a spousal rsp a parent can't put money in and it, it has to be the the actual person who the the child Correct, yes. And yeah. so that's another thing is some children get specific gifts from family based on different age or different education milestones. So if we stage it properly, then at least they'll get the, the children will, and I don't mean children, but young adults, I should say, yeah. will get the will get the financial benefits to make sure that that dollar that the parents did give goes as far as possible. So we do a lot of multi-generational family planning and that's the aspect that that helps considerably with that. Right, so uh, just a couple of great tips. First of all, bus before you buy, meaning bus before uh, buying, you buy. A, buying a car and uh, take advantage of the uh, first time home buyers, uh, uh, first time home buyers account, which can uh, be really helpful. So we're talking to Angela Calla uh, AngelaCalla.ca is the website. She's the host of The Mortgage Show on Sundays at 3. And uh, another thing that I think sort of gets a bad rap, but when I talk to you, it, it can really help people. The reverse mortgage. So mm -hmm. talk about the reverse mortgage. How does it work and how can it help people? It has been just such a fantastic addition to mortgage options for Canadians, especially in these past few years. So a reverse mortgage is for someone who's over 55, who wants to turn the tables from the monthly expense of paying a mortgage to being able to use their home equity and non-taxable event of designing a different life for themselves. And this has helped in so many circumstances. So right now, I'd have to say, obviously, if you ask a lot of people who are retired, seven out of 10 Canadians don't believe they have enough saved up for retirement and inflation has hit them very hard. And so some people who are retired are still carrying mortgages and they're carrying debt outside of their mortgage, credit cards, lines of credit for day-to-day -day expenses or items that they wanted to experience that they didn't have the cash on hand for. And sometimes, you know, when parents say, oh, I want to help with the wedding, or I want to, you know, pay for a trip, or I want to, I had an assessment come up on my home, or something has come up, because their CPP and OAS isn't covering it, 
they're going to credit cards, lines of credit. And what that does is it's a double whammy because they got to make a payment, but they don't have the cash flow coming in. So it takes away their equity. Whereas what they can do instead is utilize a reverse mortgage where there's no stress test income qualification. It's only 100% based on the equity in their home, and then they can design the life that they want. So I'll share a, a circumstance with you that we did in our office last week. I'll share two. Uh, because they're very meaningful to us and we were just so happy on how we were able to design this for the client. Well, I'm actually sorry, I can't help. I'm going to have to give you three <laughs> because <laughs> one of them was uh, Mary. Mary was in her 70s. She was self-employed as an artist and she was living in an over 55 building in White Rock. Right. And she wasn't making enough from her CPP and OAS, and she was drawing a thousand bucks a month from her investments. And she had like four things come up at once. First of all, she had a strata assessment on her over 55 building that she had no money uh, to pay for without cashing out investments. And obviously the banks weren't going to give her um, a loan for the assessment that was coming up. And she had already maxed out her credit cards and was paying for that. And she was drawing money from her investments because she didn't have enough to live. And fourthly, she wanted to help both of her daughters get into the real estate market um, before she passed because she wanted to give them a head start. So we instantly saw this and got her a reverse mortgage, paid out her bank mortgage first, so she had no mortgage payment that she was paying out monthly, got rid of all of her debt that she had outside of the mortgage and got her enough money to pay for that assessment. And we're able to take out enough money for her to give a gifted down payment to each of her daughters to get into the real estate market. So within a span of 30 days, we completely changed her life. She was able to keep her investments in, help out both of her daughters, keep her real estate, pay off her debt, not make a monthly payment. And now she's actually able to enjoy her 70s. And she can be honest because she didn't tell her daughters what was going on, but she was just like totally stressed out and worrying everybody in the family about everything. So this was great. And people think, oh, reverse mortgages are so expensive. You don't have ownership of your home. That couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. Right now we're doing reverse mortgages anywhere from 5.24% to, you know, 6.7%, which is what prime rate is. And you have 100% ownership of your home and no matter what, they can never ever take your home away from you. It's just like having any other regular mortgage, except you're taking advantage of the equity of your home and not having a taxable event and making those payments. So that helped Mary and her family in White Rock tremendously. Yeah. Oh, that's a great story. Well, Angela, you're, you're full of stories like that. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, uh, people can go to angelacalla.ca and sign up for that uh, webinar on the 8th of June after the big uh, Bank of Canada announcement. They can also listen to your show tomorrow, The Mortgage Show on CKNW at 3 in the afternoon. And uh, thanks for talking to us. Always a pleasure. Have a wonderful afternoon. Yeah, you too. Angela Calla. Uh, AngelaCalla.ca is the website. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And when we come back, some This Week in Vancouver history, including the night on this day in 1941 when everything in the city went dark on purpose. 
I'll tell you about that when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. A lot went on when it comes to this week in Vancouver history. For example, it was today, May 20th, 1929. The mayor, W.H. Malkin, proposed a big change to the city of Vancouver. It was a new law that would eliminate horse-drawn traffic from the Granville Street Bridge. Get those horses off the Granville Bridge. This was 1929, and car ownership was starting to pick up in the Lower Mainland. There were about 36,000 cars on the road here, so safety was starting to become an, an issue. Back then, there were no laws about jaywalking. People just crossed the road whenever they want. There were not a lot of traffic lights. And part of this plan to get rid of the horse-drawn carriages on the Granville Bridge also included the installation of automated traffic lights. were kind of a new thing. A big problem, though, was back in the day, the brakes on these newfangled automobiles were not all that reliable, especially if you didn't constantly check and service them. The city had only recently started doing regular brake checks on vehicles, and officials even had to take out ads in the local papers telling people not to drive with defective brakes. That was 1929. Fast forward to tomorrow, May 21st, 1941. The city of Vancouver did a trial blackout the World War II bombing of London was still fresh in everybody's mind, and they were concerned about Vancouver's vulnerability to an attack from the air. So at 10 to 10 in the evening, sirens and other warning signals went on to tell Vancouverites that they had 10 minutes to turn out every light, even outside neon lights. People would have to pull over their cars and make sure their lights were off. When all was said and done, military observers say it was about 95 to 98% effective. Unfortunately, the brightest light in the city ended up coming from City Hall, which had been set up as the nerve center of the entire operation. And also from this week in Vancouver history, May 22nd, 1970, that was the day the Vancouver Canucks officially joined the National Hockey League. Hockey fans had been waiting for years to get the team from the WHL into the NHL. Five years earlier, Vancouver was passed over for an NHL franchise in favor of six other teams, all from the United States. That's when the league doubled in size from the original six. It was the effort of a number of Vancouver locals, including Nat Bailey and former Mayor Fred Hume, and of course, a $6 million fee paid to the NHL. That $6 million fee was hard to swallow, especially considering that the previous six expansion teams, they got in for just $2 million. And add to the $6 million, the Canucks were forced to pay $1.2 million to the Western Hockey League. Uh, so they could take the team. The Canucks' final season in the WHL was a good one before they entered the NHL. They went 8-0-3 in the playoffs and won the coveted Lester Patrick Cup. That was the last time the Canucks won a championship. Hopefully that will change. Uh, the first NHL game for the Canucks was played on October 9th, later that year. Everybody was there. Premier W.A.C. Bennett, Mayor Tom Campbell, and Chief Dan George. On the ice, it would be a 3-1 loss. 
to the LA Kings. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. We're here two to four every Saturday afternoon. Thanks in large part to our producer, Leo Coelho. I'm Martin Strong, and we'll see you next week. The news on CKNW is next. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.